Welcome to the Partners for Better Communities podcast with the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development. The work from home revolution is just getting started and causing people to reevaluate where they call home. This year-long Creating Community Vitality series has encouraged us to think broadly, inclusively, and creatively about how our communities can welcome an increasingly mobile workforce. We hope these conversations have inspired you to take action at home. Today, we will be talking about community engagement and inclusion with Bill Houston. And Bill Houston educates entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and small businesses on how to raise community capital using seed and investment crowdfunding. He has managed dozens of successful crowdfunding campaigns globally throughout his eight years in the crowdfunding industry. In 2014, Inc. Magazine named him a top 19 global crowdfunding expert. Houston provides community capital consulting and coaching that focuses on social entrepreneurs, community-level real estate development, and nonprofits that are creating businesses to solve social issues. He focuses on building engaged and excited crowds that will allow nonprofits and social enterprises to successfully participate in the community capital and local vesting economy. I'm Rebecca Rowe, Associate Director of the Community Revitalization Office here at DHCD. And Bill, welcome to the Creating Community Vitality podcast. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here and really appreciate you inviting me on. Well, I really appreciate you being here. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Um, Those that know me know that number one, I have dogs. And number two, um, I listen to podcasts when I walk my dogs. And it was a little more than a year ago, I was out for a walk and um, listening to a Strong Towns podcast that I think was a couple years old, even at that point. And it was on fundraising. And so I was expecting to, to hear some information about fundraising. But you were the, the guest on that podcast, and I got so much more than I bargained for. My dog ended up getting less than he bargained for because I stopped walking so that I could text my staff and say, oh my gosh, this guy, Bill Houston, we need to find him. We need to have conversations with him. We need to put him in front of our Virginia Main Street Network. And I, I just found your messaging around uh, building your crowd to be so engaging. Um, so tell us, tell us a little bit uh, about who you are and the work that you do and who you consider to be your crowd. Um. Yeah, so it's um, <clears throat> I work right now. I just went into a partnership with um, Honeycomb Credit, which is a uh, investment crowdfunding platform um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, and what I do is I, I do training, consulting and strategy work uh, with Honeycomb. And also um, I am working with a group called the American Dream Marketplace. Um, the American Dream Marketplace is a really interesting concept um, because during the pandemic, um, a lot of black owned businesses uh, had to close down. Uh, so the National Chamber of Commerce and TagFi, a technology company, com- 
They, they came together, they collaborated to create the American Dream Marketplace, which allowed a lot of those brick and mortar businesses to actually move online. Uh, they were given a, uh, a unique uh, website and URL. And, um, you know, with, with that, that um, they have e-commerce capabilities. Uh, and, and, and I found the idea very interesting. But as a crowdfunder, what I found even more interesting about them um, was that there was a huge email list of businesses. And one of the one of the solutions they were looking for, uh, you know, was access to capital. And uh, as a crowdfunder, my mind just said, oh, you already have the access to capital uh, because you already have a crowd. Um, you know, so that that's um, that, that's one of the things that I'm working on and that it's taking up all my focus. Uh, but I think it's a great segue into Main Street businesses. And the reason that I say that is because with Main Street businesses, a lot of times they already have a crowd. They have customers. If they've been in business, they have people who have purchased their goods and services. And what happens is they just simply do not engage those people. You know, they come in, they purchase, um, you know, you say, hey, how you doing? And and, and out the door they go. Um, you know, all those people who purchase from you should be on an email list. Um, all those people should be following you on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. Um, you know, you should never lose connection with your community because your community is really your crowd. And, you know, your your money, your funding is in the crowd. And what's really interesting about that is that a lot of times businesses don't see their customers as potential investors. But what better investors are there than your customers? Because they already believe in the goods and services that you provide. They have already provided you with market validation because they are repeat customers. They are coming in and they are purchasing your goods and services. And a lot of times the business owners, they just don't ask. If they just ask people, they would do that. During the height of the pandemic, um, I, I was working with a, uh, a colleague um, from uh, Sethfield, England, and uh, they had created a program and that program was called Pivot Crowdfunding. Uh, what, what happened with Pivot Crowdfunding was there was a uh, there was an Italian restaurant that had closed down. Um, they didn't know what they were going to do. They had a they had a huge customer base. Um, and so finally, they said, well, let's try this crowdfunding. So what happened was they started to engage their customer base and they weren't doing any business. They were shuttered. And what happened was they found out that their customer base was willing to buy uh, gift cards. Right. Which gave them the capital they needed to stay open at that moment. Right. It provided the capital and also. It, it ensured they were going to be in business kind of long term, you know, once the pandemic slowed down or ended. Of course, at that time, we didn't know what that was going to look like. But what happened was also when they began to engage their customer base, their customers said, hey, can you guys create a takeout menu? 
and we will come and pick up food because we really like the food so much. Now, the owners thought that what people were coming there for uh, was the ambience of the restaurant. And, and some of that was true, but the people really liked the food and they were willing to support that with their dollars. And, and that's really important. And I think one of the stigmas around crowdfunding is that people think about GoFundMe and asking people for capital. But this is investment crowdfunding where there is going to be a return. There's going to be debt or there's going to be equity or potentially a revenue share. So now you have turned your customers and vendors into partners. Right. And that strengthens the community, but it strengthens the bonds between the businesses and the community. Uh, one quick statistic from Honeycomb Credit that I think is often overlooked, but very important is that the companies that have successfully raised with Honeycomb Credit over the next year have increased their revenues 60 percent. Yes, 60% they increase their revenues. What I like to say about that is that when you have a person who invests in your local business, the, that person is going to be an investor, but they're probably going to be a customer. And if they're a customer and an investor, they are going to be your biggest brand advocates. They are going to tell everyone about your business. And, you know, that's what's really important. A lot of times when we think about crowdfunding, the only thing we think about is raising that initial capital. But crowdfunding is really about building relationships. And that's where the crowd building comes in. If you don't build an excited and engaged crowd, you are not going to get the funding that you're looking for. And one of the things that I tell people all the time is if you don't crowdfund, if you don't succeed in crowdfunding as a business owner, is it a bad thing to build a relationship with your customer base? Is that ever something that's bad? And, you know, so you, you really have to look at crowdfunding and what I like to call the return on crowd. It's not just the money, but it's building that crowd. And what does that return on crowd look like? If you're able to increase revenues, maybe you're able to hire someone from the community. You know, maybe you're able to sponsor a little league team now, um, you know, so that there's there's more to it than just the funding. And I always like to say that the crowd is the most important part, because if you build that excited and engaged crowd, you can ask them for anything. That is a great point. I already have a page of notes. Um, the, the return on crowd, that's such an interesting idea. It reminds me of something I read recently, um, that was talking about a social return on investment. You know, you're not just talking about the dollars and cents of, in terms of return, but you are talking about, is that crowd engaged? Um, and, and how are they showing you that love? You know, it, it's a much bigger conversation that, you know, kind of goes in and out the in of something very simple, uh, you know, a, a business owner realizing that they could sell gift cards or do takeout and that can just change their life. And then also the conversation going much bigger and thinking about that crowd, literally the crowd. 
So for those of you listening, uh, especially if you are local officials or a Main Street director, think of yourself as the business. Think of your community as, as the business and what you're trying to sell. And especially if you are now putting a work plan together around what you've been hearing from the Creating Community Vitality podcasts over the last year, and now we're ready to do something, how do we build that buy-in? So Bill, tell us how... How can we build that crowd? And what are some things that communities, businesses, um, local officials can should be thinking about and can do to build the crowd and start to get some of that return on crowd? I think the first thing uh, that really has to be done is that people really need to be educated about crowdfunding and what crowdfunding is. You know, at its essence, crowdfunding is being able to raise funds for a specific purpose um, uh, by having small dollar contributions from a large group of people. The example that I always like to use is church. When when you go to church, you expect that the lights are going to be on. You expect it's going to be cool in the summer, warm in the winter. No one person is responsible for that. It's the community in the church, the congregation, and everybody pitches in a small amount of dollars in order for that to happen. And crowdfunding is no different than that, except, you know, when we talk about that local investment crowdfunding, there, there are some legal mechanisms that, that have to be met around that. But it's, it's very important for people to understand what it is. It's important for them to understand about the crowd, the power of the crowd, the return on crowd, because in the local, in in a local economy, in a local business ecosystem, we're all in this together, right? There, there's, it's, don't want to name a particular company, but, but there are some large, you know, very large companies, uh, you know, very large tech companies, um, and they probably teeter right there at being monopolies. But that's not how it works at the local level, right? When people come to Main Street, chances are they're not going to drive from their home to Main Street to pick up one item. The chances are that that they are going to be there on Main Street. They're going to look on Main Street. They're going to shop on Main Street. How do you keep these people on Main Street? How do you keep them engaged? Um, You know, one way is through technology, Um, You know, using social media to engage people. Um, Email is the most powerful way to engage people. If you can get people on that email list, they have invited you into their life. Uh, and, And that is very important for crowdfunding because now that is your list. You own that email list. It's, you know, you could be kicked off of Facebook or Twitter or whatever platform it is, but that's not gonna happen to you in your email list, right? You can email people as often as you want to. Now, obviously there's some rules around that that kind of make sense. You don't wanna do it too often, but you know, those people have invited you into their life. They are asking you to engage with them. Um, and, and that's what's really important. Talk to your customers. Um, you know, try to build relationships with your because we're talking about Main Street businesses where people are coming in and you are you are going to see these people um, and, and have conversations with them and let them know, uh, you know, we run specials. Uh, you know, what would you like to see on the menu? I, I think one of the things that people don't really realize 
about people and, you know, with that Italian restaurant in Sheffield, one of the things that you were able to see is that they want to be a part of the business. They don't just want to come in and actually purchase. They want to participate in this. And if they become investors, they really want to participate. Don't be afraid to ask for input, um, you know, from those people. You know, what would you like to see? Um, you know, what kind of things could we do to help you? Because with the Main Street businesses, it is about building community. One of the things I think that when we think about wealth and we think about wealth building, we only think about that from an individual perspective or our family perspective. But there's community wealth as well. If if you're a small uh, local business, if people could go other places and get the product and service that you had, they would potentially be going there. So you offer something that is unique to them. You offer something that they want. So they want to be a part of the community. They want to they want you as part of the community. I, I think about the main streets, um, you know, here in Louisville, Kentucky. And, you know, even now, um, you know, during the pandemic, uh, you know, you see people walking up and down the street. Uh, you know, engage those people, you know, put a sign in your window, uh, tell them to look you up on Facebook, follow you on Facebook, follow you on Twitter. Um, you know, that's how you start that engagement. Keep keep the content interesting. Keep the content focused on them. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, that's one mistake that I find that a lot of, uh, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, founders, they really make. Um, and it's, you know, like what's in it for the customer? You know, what what is what is that? What is that all about? How do I entice them to want to build relationships with me? And and just like, you know, anything else, if uh, if I go to a networking meeting and all I talk about is myself and how to get money from you, I'm not going to I'm not going to network with many people. Right. Um, you know, have an interest in those people. These are your neighbors, right? This this isn't some faraway company uh, that you order online and they bring this in. You know, these are people who live in your community. And this is a way to build that community, uh, you know, through crowdfunding, uh, through engagement. That That is really important. And, and being able, I think, to really understand that. As people come to Main Street, as people shop on Main Street, as people just go up and down the street and window shop, maybe what you're doing is you're building community wealth there, uh, you know, keeping keeping that money at home. You know, I, I think one of the things that has happened um, is that when we think about investing, we you know, we always think about investing into the stock market. Uh, you know, I have no idea where that money is going. I have no idea what that money is doing. You know, it could be doing terrible things. I don't know. But, you know, if I invest, you know, in the local bakery, I know what they're doing. I know the people who work there. I know the people that run it. Um, and, and that is that is part of that community wealth that I'm talking about. You know, I know that there may be one or two jobs that are created, which is going to allow, you know, more money to stay in the community. Um, and that's what I think is really important uh, about crowdfunding at the local level is always thinking about how we build community, how we keep that money circulating in our community, right? The community that we live in. And that's what's really important. And, you know, the other thing I would want to say is that when you do engage people, 
If you want to crowdfund, be upfront, be transparent with people. Let them know what it is that you want to do. And you would be surprised how many people really want to help, how many people want to get involved with what it is that you are doing to, you know, to grow your business, uh, maybe to add new products or services to your lineup. told us one story early on and then you've also and I I just think this is a a great point whether you're at a cocktail party or a networking reception at a conference or you are a downtown business owner to do that ask the questions and do that active listening and then what do we learn from from doing that that sometimes we can talk too much where we need to be listening and asking the questions. But I'm actually going to flip that a little bit and, and ask you to talk to us a little bit about the storytelling aspect of building your crowd and what that looks like. The, the basis of crowdfunding is storytelling. You have to be able to tell a compelling story. Uh, It has to be something that's going to capture the interest of people. It has to be something that is going to relate to people. I think the more people can see themselves in your story, the more they are going to want to participate in that story. Early on, uh, my son and I, we had a company called H2 Communications. And um, my son was a videographer, so we shot video for local companies um, in Louisville. Uh, on, on, you know, the many main streets in Louisville, uh, we would shoot videos for them and I would actually promote their videos on Twitter and Facebook. So that was a long time ago. Uh, so my son was in this program with the city and it was called Community Action Partnership. And um, the woman who was the director, she told us that she had discovered this website called Kickstarter and that if you shot a really cool video, people would send you money to fund your business. So with my son being a videographer, we shot seven videos on a Saturday afternoon. He edited the videos. She put them up on Kickstarter. And as you can imagine, we did not raise a single penny. And the reason we didn't raise a single penny was because we didn't market it, because we didn't build a crowd. Of all those local businesses that we were trying to get going, how many people do you think we engaged in the Louisville community? Right. None. Zero. So we're trying to raise funds for a local business by engaging with people who are somewhere else. And what I learned from that is that in order to successfully crowdfund and move through that process, what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to engage. I like to call it tapping the inner circle, your social network from the inside out. If you can't get the people, you know, who come in and purchase your goods and services, the people in your community, your family, the people that you know to invest in what you're doing, what could ever make you think that people far away who don't know you are going to do that? So this is where the storytelling really comes in. And that is being able to tell a story to people who know you and to engage them with that story, make that story compelling. Um, So that they, number one, know you, they get to know you. People really invest in the business owners. They really invest in the founders. They're they're not necessarily investing at the local level. They're not necessarily investing 
hoping to get this massive return, but they're they're investing in you. They're investing in the business because they realize that you are important to that local economy. You are important to building that community wealth. And that's the story that we have to tell people. We have to engage these people with our story. And the storytelling is one of the things that I really try to focus on. Um, And sometimes in that process, it helps to be vulnerable. It helps to be transparent, although you should be transparent all the time or as much as possible. But but it really helps, um, you know, to let people know. And when I tell that story about how I got into crowdfunding, I always let people know we didn't raise any money because we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, that, you know, and, and there needs to be this learning process and the best people to learn from uh, are people who have successfully done it. They are the best to learn from, but they are not the only people to learn from. Sometimes what you can learn from people is what not to do and what not to do is not to tap your inner circle. If you don't do that, you're probably not going to be successful. Um, so when you talk about that storytelling, I, it just kind of lights me up. And sometimes I feel like I'm one of those people that talk too much because I always want to provide context to people about how I got to where I am and why I want to go where I want to go. And without that context and understanding you know, what that journey looks like, it's hard for people to really relate to that. And maybe it's even hard for people to really see, are you the person to get there? You know, I think what you're saying in terms of context is extremely important. And I think the context that you're giving in the storytelling creates uh, the greater connection around the story. And with the context comes the connection to you and to to your backstory and makes people want to ask more questions. Tell us about some of the other small business pivots you've seen during the pandemic that um, were successful for people. Sure. Um, one one story that, that I really like to talk about uh, was a lady named Ina Jones. And um, she, uh, she, she lived on the south side of Chicago. And what she wanted to do was she wanted to purchase a building on the south side of Chicago um, for her business. It was called Roots and Vines. And her goal was to be able to get healthy food options into the food desert in, um, in, on the south side of Chicago. And the reason that this story resonates with me so much is that years ago, um, in the early um, 2000s, we had started a business and it was called Urban Fresh. And our goal was very much the same. Our mission was very much the same. And we were unable to really find the funding, right? All the funding we were looking for was either from banks, from the city, uh, from foundations, right? And so there was a nonprofit arm that that really kind of um, controlled that process. Um, and, you know, raising raising those nonprofit funds was very difficult for us. Um, you know, we, we actually saw some successes, uh, but we were never able to raise enough of the capital for us to buy a truck and to, to really grow the business. Um, so when we failed as a community business, one of the things that we saw was that we were right back to the food desert and people didn't have those healthy food options. Fast forward 
2016, um, investment crowdfunding becomes legal. Uh, and what what Miss Jones was able to do that we were not able to do um, is with her idea for Roots and Vines, she was able to go to the people in the community that lived in the food desert, tell that story about how having Roots and Vines could actually help them to access healthy food. But instead of her having to depend on people outside of the community to fund her, she was able to start a crowdfunding campaign, raise the capital to buy the building, get the building rehabbed and renovated, start the business. And I think this is very important. We could stop the story there and that would be a very powerful story about how investment crowdfunding has changed the dynamics of community led economic development. But the story goes on. And what happened was that her story, because crowdfunding is so public, a foundation did see what she had done. She did see that she had social proof and market validation from the community. So this foundation actually put some money into what it was that she was doing. As that came out in the press, a local pastor saw that, wanted that in his community and actually donated some space to her so she could open her second location, um, you know, in that church and bring those healthy food options, um, you know, into his part of the community on the south side of Chicago. And what I think is so powerful about that story is none of that would have happened and roots and vines would have withered on the vine. Forgive me for that poor pun, but they would have withered, withered on the vine had it not been for investment crowdfunding and her having the courage to actually go out and engage the community, the people who were going to use the the, the um, roots and vines. She was able to engage those people. They they bought into that story and they were willing to part with their dollars, um, you know, to make this dream a reality. And, and I think that is that is one of the most powerful stories that I can tell about local investment, because that hits so close to home for me, because I watched the very same idea fail and falter because we did not have crowdfunding, because we were not able to engage the community. And I think that from that story, what you're really able to see is that if the community wants something crowdfunding really empowers the community to be able to do it because you're not asking a large investment from any one person. You're asking for very small investments for something that is going to benefit the community. And I think that that is the real power of investment crowdfunding at the local level. How did she engage her crowd? And when you had that first round of of unsuccessful videos in your crowdfunding mm. efforts what were some of the steps that you mm. took to identify and engage your crowd so what what we really had to do was literally find the influencers in the community the people who other people listened to um that that was that was something that was really important uh, you know, I had I had mentioned that pastor uh, and, and how he was able to obviously 
you know, tap his congregation um, and as as someone in the community. Um, what we failed to do, uh, number one, crowdfunding didn't exist at the time. And we were we were trying to raise those funds through the more traditional means. Um, and that, you know, that was one reason um, I, I truly believe can't prove this today, but I truly believe that there were we had enough customers and enough buy in that had crowdfunding existed at that time, we would have been able to to actually do that. Um, the way to reach out to people in the community is to actually find the people in the community that this project is going to benefit. You know, the people who have the pain point, what is the problem? What is the problem that you're trying to solve? And who are you trying to solve that problem for? Um, and those are the people that you begin to talk to. Those are the people that you begin to engage with, because those are the people who are going to tell you what the real problem is. Um, you know, one of the opportunities that I had with Strong Towns that you had mentioned um, was we, they actually wrote an article about me. And, uh, you know, when, when I was working as a community organizer, one of the stories or one of the sayings that this guy used to say all the time was that those who live the problem own the solution. And that's why it is very important that that, you know, on the on the local level, you really go to people and ask them, hey, what is it that you need? Do you do you need a dry cleaners in this community? You know, how many people would actually use the dry cleaners? Start that conversation. And what will happen a lot of times is people are not talking about the fact that they need a dry cleaners. But as that conversation kicks off. Then other people will say, you know what, it would be really nice to have a dry cleaner, you know, a local dry cleaner. Uh, so starting that conversation, uh, if you can start that conversation with um, with influencers in your community, uh, you know, people who are active in the community. Um, and, and when I say influencers, I really mean people who um, who people know in a community, who they respect in a community. Sometimes in this day and age. Um, influencers can mean something completely different. And that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about people who are there in the community on the ground doing the work. Um, you know, your you know, your local business owners, your pastors, you know, your teachers, people who engage with a lot of people in the community uh, and they kind of have their ear to the ground and they know what people are talking about. Maybe what people are grumbling about, maybe what people need in a community or would like to see in the community. That is where, you know, you start that initially. You start that with conversations. You don't necessarily have to drive the conversation. Uh, you know, if you if your goal or if your idea is to create uh, that dry cleaners, then you start the conversation around, hey, you know, where do you get your clothes dry clean? Uh, what would you like to see? Right. And you don't have to drive the conversation because if that conversation has life, if that is a pain point, if it is a problem, it will drive itself. Right. People will start to talk about that. And then being able to be online, I, I think, especially during the pandemic, uh, you know, we've really seen how powerful groups and communities can be when they're online uh, and, and used correctly. Uh, I, I think that you always have to be very aware uh, of people participating as a community member, not trying to take over that community, uh, but people and everybody in that community trying to see what they can add to the community and not take away from that community. Um, so, you know, to, to kind of Boil that down. Starting the conversation is the most important part of 
you know, building your crowd, having that communication, having those conversations, whether they're online, whether they're on Zoom or whether they're in person. Without those conversations, you can't engage people. I love that idea of uh, being additive to the community and not extractive. Uh, we have a question or a couple of questions that we ask people um, in each podcast as kind of the final question, because a lot of what we've been talking about is um, place attachment. And, you know, I think this conversation around the small business owners and the storytelling and engaging and having your customers become your investors, you know, is, is very locally based. So I'm going to go to these final questions now. So what is a place that you have a strong attachment to? What makes you feel the connection to that place? And how do you show love for that place? And we have had people answer everywhere from the whole world to their couch. So think of place in whatever terms um, it means to you. Okay, that, that, is, that is a very powerful question and I certainly have a, uh, what, I, what I would think would be a great answer to that. Um, we, were, uh, we were raising funds. Uh, there was a developer and I was working with the developer to help raise funds. And, um, and it was called the West Louisville Opportunity Fund. West Louisville is, um, is a part of, of Louisville. It's, it's a section of about nine neighborhoods. Um, you know, low income, um, pr predominantly minority, and, um, you know, very few businesses there, uh, tremendous retail leakage. So we had went to meet, um, you know, the attorney that was working with us, and we had gone to a uh, to a really upscale part of town and we were sitting we were sitting at the bar watching a basketball game. And as we were sitting there watching the game, um, the developer says to me, you know, why are there not these things in West Louisville? And I said to him, because we are spending our money here right now. From that moment forward, every investor, potential investor, or anyone that we met that was tied to that West Louisville Opportunity Fund, we would go to a place on 18th and Muhammad Ali, which is in West Louisville called Sweet Peaches. And if they wanted to meet with us, they were going to meet with us there in that place in the West Louisville community. And, you know, for me, that that's what that place is all about is, you know, not only where you are, but spending dollars where you are, that that is very important because what you're really doing is you're investing. And if we're investing in a part of town where we don't live, where we're not working, where we're not developing, that part of town is going to develop. And the part of town where you are is not going to develop. So I, I love to tell that story because it's about intentionality. Uh, I, I, I was on a podcast uh, with Devin Thorpe a couple weeks ago. And he asked how people could help, um, you know, uh, black businesses and support black businesses. And the answer is really simple. Be intentional about spending money, you know, with these businesses. Right. If you want to help build the local economy, be intentional about spending fifty dollars you know, a month or fifty dollars a week or whatever that is in that community. Um, and, you know. You don't have to ask that question anymore. And if you get if you do that and all your friends do that, then you're going to build that community in the local economy there. That is 
a perfect and powerful answer to that question. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Bill. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Had a great time. Thank you all. <laughs>